Good morning. What a beautiful, grand, and glorious day to be here. Glad to see you. I've been asked this morning to make an announcement for the elders. To respond for our view of the current racial unrest in our society. Jesus in human form was a Middle Eastern man 2,000 years ago. He most assuredly was a man of color. He spent his life on this earth trying to get us to understand that we are all equally sinful. Equally loved by the Father, equally offered salvation. The racial landscape of Jesus' time was dominated by the animosity between Jews and Samaritans. The strife was religious, it was political, and it was historical, reaching all the way back to the divided Jewish kingdoms. Jesus shocked the expert in the law by using a Samaritan as the good example. The test, who was the neighbor? The answer, the one who had mercy on him. The lesson for all of us, go and do likewise. In one fell swoop, rejecting the racial discourse at its center. A whole new perspective as to who is doing right. Galatians tells us there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Colossians tells us here there is not a Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Jesus has always been about perspective. His versus ours. Perspective about sin and its result. Perspective about love and who we should give it to. Perspective about eternity and where we should want to spend it. Jesus tells us to love everyone, treat them all as equal sinners. Romans says all have sinned and fallen short. All means all countries, races, genders, and yes, colors. All are equal. We want, you to, we want to encourage all of us at this time in history to show Christ his sacrifice, and his love to everyone, equally, unequivocally, unreservedly, unrestrained, flat out, all in. Because of that, that is what the man of color on the cross did for all of us. Thank you. Thank you, John. We've been missing Faith Farm here at West 7th. And uh, the idea came up, and we thought it was a great one, to have just a touch of Faith Farm this morning as we begin our service. And I'm going to ask J.T. Fox to come up here, and we're going to start our service with a couple of songs led by two of our young men. Thanks, J.T. Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are what I 
can see. When my Lord is living in me, I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. Green grass and flowers are blooming in springtime, our works of the master. I live for each day, I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart, nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we Green alleys, the beauty that surrounds me, are make me aware of the one who made it all. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be. All alone since he promised me that we never would part. Hope you all are praying for our children during this time that we've had where they haven't been able to be connected like they normally are. And it's so good to get to see them again. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his on the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. Oh, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the wise man's house stood firm. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling down. Oh, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up, and the foolish man's house went Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessings will come down. Blessings come down as the prayers go up. So build 
Amen. Amen. You going back here, see? <laughs> there was some conjecture that Ori might have some kind of commentary surrounding his song, but. Uh, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices with God, my Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my soul My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, my spirit magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My glory be the Father, Father, as Lord alone has done. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is
Scripture reading this morning will be taken from John chapter 10, verses 10 through 13. John 10, 10 through 13. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Let's pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we're so thankful that we have this wonderful opportunity this morning to gather together again. It seems like it has been such a long, long time since so many of us have been able to gather together to enjoy the fellowship and the friendship of our brothers and sisters in Christ, to enjoy lifting our voices in praise to you. This morning, Father, we're so mindful of the many blessings that we have, especially the blessing of your love. You are the creator of all. And as John has told us this morning, we all are equal in your sight. None of us is better, none of us is worse. We're all equal as your creation. And we're so thankful for your love for us that it is difficult at times for us to understand that your love was so great and so deep that you sent your son to live upon this earth to walk and live as a man, but to be our good shepherd. The one who sacrificed his life upon that cross so that our sins can be removed and that we all can come before your throne cleansed and pure and righteous in your sight. Father, there's, in this troubling times, there's so many things that we can be thankful for. As we reflect on the last several months, there have been many new marriages for some of our young people that we rejoice in. There are upcoming marriages that we read about that we can rejoice with them and hopefully that 
they will be able to conduct their ceremonies as they normally would. There are several in our congregation that are expecting babies and we rejoice with them and, and hope we can celebrate with them upon the birth of their children. And Father, we also want to rejoice in the Dodsons being able to adopt their, their little boy. Father, there's so many things that we can be thankful for, but we also acknowledge, Father, that there are times of mourning, there are times of grieving, and this year has been very difficult for so many people. We want to remember Alex as he has lost so many loved ones this year and has recently lost his uncle, and we pray that you will comfort him and his family. And Father, we want to remember the family of William Jarrett and his passing this week. We want to remember Sue Fox and the death of her mother. Mary Frances Hancock and the deaths of her uncle and aunt. We grieve with them, we mourn with them, and pray for your blessings and comfort to be upon them as, as they go through their period of grieving. And Father, we are mindful of those that are are sick and, and not able to be with us. And in some cases, we want to remember C.T. Johnson as he is recovering from his surgery. We want to remember Lottie Umstead as she will be having surgery and pray that everything goes well with that. And Father, we want to remember Carrie Couch as he will be seeking additional diagnosis for his cancer and treatment and pray a special blessing upon him and, and his family. We pray for the doctors that will be addressing the, the disease that he has and, and pray that you will lead them to the right diagnosis and treatment that will completely heal him and that he will continue, continue to be able to serve this congregation in such a wonderful way. And we want to continue to remember John Simmons as he continues his, his treatment we pray that you will help him uh, adjust to the, the medication and treatment that he is having that, that it will not only cure him, but that he will enjoy a, a little better uh, life than from the treatment that he has had so far. And Father, we look down front this morning and see all the, the bags that are in front of us that represents all the seniors of this congregation. What a wonderful time it is for them and their families. The families celebrate the wonderful act of graduating from high school, but have tenderness in their heart for knowing that their, their child will be more likely leaving to go to school, go into the, to go to work, to go into military service, whatever their choice is. We, many of us have been there and done that and understand fully what's going through the minds and hearts of the families today. We want to pray for these seniors. They're precious in our sight. They're a wonderful group of young men and young women, and we ask you to bless them. Help them, Father, to remember that wherever they go and whatever they do, that they will all be, always be welcome here, and they will always have a peace of this congregation and the loved ones here with them at all times. And we, we pray for their success, 
not only in, in their endeavor in life, but their spiritual growth as they go out on their own, that they can grow closer and closer to you. And Father, during this time that we have been apart, we want to be mindful of our elders and for the tremendous amount of stress that they have been under and, and dealing with this pandemic that has affected us all. We pray for them and their families. We pray that we all will be thankful for their leadership. We realize, Father, that we're all individuals. We're all different. We all have different ideas. And we pray that we will come together and support them and their decisions as to what is best for this congregation, not only physically with this pandemic, but spiritually as we all grow together. And Father, I want to remember the ministers and the staff who have done a tremendous job to keep us all informed while we have not been able to gather together. We pray for them, we pray for their health, we pray for their well-being during this time. And we pray for all of us as members of this congregation that we can come together in our minds and hearts showing love for one another, love for our community, and love for our nation. And we ask you to bless us, uplift us, uplift our spirits during this time. Let us remember that our eyes are focused upon Christ and he is the one that will save us and all these things will pass but he will still be there to love and care for us and it's in his name we pray amen Christ we do all adore thee and we do praise thee for We do all adore thee, and we do praise thee forever. For on the holy cross hast thou the world for Isaiah foretells the death of Jesus in the 53rd chapter, one that we're all very familiar with. We've read it many times. But I just want to pick up on one little section. He says, He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Jesus' death is associated with the wicked or with criminals. 
and also with the rich. He died between two criminals, and he was buried in the tomb of a very wealthy man. But there's something else here in the text that uh, I want to bring out and can only be picked up on if uh, in the original Hebrew language. And it's in the phrase, in his death. The original language actually reads, in his death, plural. And that kind of seems strange, kind of odd, because we think of Jesus dying one time. But in Hebrew, when a word should be singular, and yet it's rendered plural, it suggests that that word, that there's something very unique about that word, that there's something very um, intense about the word. And we realize and have always known that there was something very unique and different about the death of Jesus, so unique that the word death can't begin to really express to us completely and fully what actually happened there that day on the cross. His death is beyond anything that, uh, that we can express with words. It's beyond anything that we can comprehend with our minds. In his death does not seem grammatically correct. If it, uh, to make it grammatically correct, it would have to be in their deaths. But the text doesn't say that. It says in his deaths. And so uh, Jesus would not just die one death, but he would die many deaths simultaneously. We've always said that Jesus died for us all. He not only died his death, but he died my death, and he died your death. I don't know how many people will live in this world before it all comes to an end, but however many people that is, that's how many deaths Jesus died that day. We are saved by his death, but maybe more accurately, we're saved by his death deaths. The Apostle Paul was a Hebrew scholar, and I think he may be alluding to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. He says, for Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, and paraphrasing the rest of the verse so that we could live for him. Therefore, all died. We died that day on the cross. Jesus died for us. It was a substitutionary death. And it's so interesting that Isaiah picks up on that hundreds of years before it happens. And Paul also talks about how that in baptism that we're united with Christ in his death and his burial and his resurrection. And here in 2 Corinthians, he talks about that he died for all and that uh, therefore all died and all of that so that we could live for him. 
a new twist, a different twist on the idea that Jesus died for us. To think of his death as millions and billions and billions of deaths. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for your blessings to us this day. We're thankful that we can be here, that we can enjoy life in your son. We're thankful for the salvation that we have. We're thankful that he died for us on the cross. We're thankful for the significance of all that, and we're here today to celebrate that and to acknowledge that this is what makes Jesus' death so special and so unique and so different. And so we give you thanks today for the bread there that represents his body that died for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Dear Father, we also recognize that his death involved the shedding of blood, representing the giving up of life. And we know that uh, our sins are cleansed by that blood. And again, the reason that through his death and his dying for us, that we can be saved. And we're thankful that it's, that blood cleanses us and frees us of all of our sins and allows us to grow in a relationship with you that is real and meaningful and truly a blessing to each one of us. May we reflect upon his death and upon the shedding of his blood in our behalf as we partake of this fruit of the vine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet water. Sons of my foes, 
with oil anoint and my cup overflows goodness and mercy all my life shall surely church. Excellent. We are doing something a little different this morning, and I appreciate uh, Philip acknowledging this in the prayer. Um, if you're at home or in the gym, we are talking about the gifts for the seniors up front. They are not sacrifices laid down here at the front. These are gifts. So good morning, doing something a little different. Don't leave. It's not about masks. Okay, good. All right. Um, we want to take just a couple of minutes to recognize our class of 2020, our graduating seniors. And I've asked John Law, uh, one of our shepherds that oversees the student ministry, you've seen him leading singing this morning. Uh, he's gonna present each senior with a copy of this book. It's called Epic by John Eldridge. I read it before I went to school. Um, if you're thinking, great, a book, it's real short. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, maybe it's four to eight years from now, uh, you'll get something out of this book. Um, but that's a good thing. And that is on behalf of the congregation here, as well as all of this stuff. And you can leave this up here, seniors. But uh, as I call your name, if you would, come up front, take a book, stand in front of your stuff, wherever it is, and then stay standing up here. We are going to have a prayer of blessing over you and your family, that sort of thing. So I'll be sharing some of their highlights from their high school careers, their future plans, uh, and their favorite memory from West 7th Student Ministry as they come up front. So. We'll start with Mr. Todd Beasley, son of Brad and Carrie Beasley. Todd was a uh, sub-state participant in shot put discus, a member of the National Honor Society, graduating summa cum laude, which I had to look up because I did not. He is attending Harding University in the fall, majoring in exercise science with plans of going on to physical therapy school. Todd's favorite student ministry memory was hanging out at Winterfest, Mr. Todd Beasley. Ms. Monterey Crystal Carroll, daughter of Chris and Heather Carroll, Although Monterey grew up in Thailand and Laos, she didn't really get to travel internationally except for visits to the U.S. until she went to Malaysia for a special trip with her mom. During high school, the family also enjoyed a stop over in Beijing, China to see the Forbidden City, the Great Wall, just before her senior year. Monterey had an ethical fashion entrepreneurial internship. Uh, during her junior year, mentored by Lauren Pinks Pinkston, uh, Monterey interned with Urban Cotton in Vientin, Close, um, Laos, and the only, sorry, uh, online store worthy. Among other things, she designed clothing pieces, helped renovate the urban cotton storefront, uh, which provides income to local women and families through the sale of their craft. She worked for Christian ambassadors to Laos in Laos, which is the call missions. Monterey participated with her parents in their ministry in Laos by traveling with her dad to encourage persecuted Christians in remote mountain villages, preparing audio Bibles to be distributed to illiterate minority people groups, helping her mom smuggle Bibles across international borders, which is the coolest, uh, under the family's uh, groceries and befriending young women 
uh, and Save Asian Souls Safe Houses. Uh, she is a, or the award winner of the Christ-like Attitude Award from Camp Wildwood in 2018. The art teacher, uh, she was an art teacher, Kid City Camp in New Orleans. Uh, Monterey plans to attend Harding and is considering art therapy for children. And she says that her favorite min uh, memory from West Seven Student Ministry is the fall retreat in 2019 because that is where she started to feel like she really had friends in the States, Miss Monterey Carroll. Mr. Chandler Henson, son of Dale and Shelley Henson. Chandler is the president of the Robotics Club, or I guess was the president of the Robotics Club. Uh, he is part of the state national shooting uh, champion, or he is a state national shooting champion, all state, all zone shooting team, Columbia Academy student of the month, the Columbia Academy boys state representative. After high school, Chandler plans on attending Bryan College in Dayton, Tennessee to pursue a degree in mechanical engineering while also shooting for Bryan's new shooting sports team. Chandler says that my favorite West 7 student ministry memory is hard to choose from because of all the memories I have with this amazing youth group. If I had to choose one, it would be traveling to Gatlinburg with my friends to go to Winterfest. We had a great time every year, no matter how tired we all were. Going on this trip every year uh, not only made me feel closer to God, but also closer to everyone in the youth ministry, Mr. Chandler Henson. Miss Zakiah Johnson, daughter of Delani and Timothy Lawrence. Zakiah finished her senior year with all A's for college, is graduating, and, and she said that she proved herself wrong over and over by pushing through personal doubt throughout her high school education. She will be attending Columbia State to acquire her veterinarian technician license, transferring to a four-year university and pursuing a career as a veterinarian and entrepreneur in pet grooming. Zakiah said that her favorite memory was being a part of the youth group because she never had that before and the fact that West 7th really focused on youth and children, Miss Zakiah Johnson. Miss Zoe Johnson, what are the odds of two Z Johnsons in a youth group? It's wild. Zoe is the daughter of Rob and Jenny Johnson. She's a two-time tennis doubles district runner-up, a girls state delegate, and she is attending Freed Hardeman University in the fall, majoring in business and marketing. And she says that her favorite memory are all the inspirational conversations in the girls' class, Miss Zoe Johnson. Miss Victoria Karkow, daughter of Eric and Jamie. Victoria was president of the Drama Club, the 30-plus club member, a member of the National Honor Society. She was senior class secretary and vice president of HOSA, which is for future health professionals. Victoria will be attending Harding University, majoring in kinesiology and a minor in Bible with the hopes of becoming an athletic trainer after college. Victoria said, I cannot pick a favorite memory because there's just so many good memories, but I would say that my favorite uh, joke is about Bo and teasing Tucker about him. Miss Victoria Karkoff. Kylie Nutt is the daughter of Brandon and Laura Nutt. Kylie plans to study cultural anthropology at Columbia State, a needed degree right now, and afterwards she will attend the Academy of Makeup Arts in Nashville. Kylie says that her favorite memory at the West 7th uh, Student Ministry is the Lip Sync Contest at Fall Retreat and Winterfest. You're starting to pick up on the Winterfest theme at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Kylie Nutt. Miss Sophie Parrott, daughter of Steve and Susie Parrott. Sophie was the 2019-2020 cheer captain for football and basketball cheer. She is the recipient of the Mary Helen McMean Cheer Award, a member of the Heritage Bank Youth Advisory Board National Honor Society member and voted most likely to cheer you up by her senior class. She is attending Harding University in the fall. Sophie's favorite memory from the youth group 
is helping out with VBS Trunk or Treat and being around the Faith Farm, uh, kids, and the children's ministry, Miss Sophie Parrott. Uh, the next senior, Paxton Powell, was unable to attend this morning, but I would like to acknowledge him. Paxton Phoenix Clower Powell, son of Carrie and Jill Powell. So that's why I wanted to acknowledge him, because that name is... <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Paxton found a way to make high school fun. He will be attending Western Kentucky University, and his favorite memory from West 7 Student Ministry was meeting Jason Aldina Impact, Mr. Paxton Powell. We're almost done. Two more. Mr. Alex Savage, son of Ricky and Julie Savage, part of the 30-plus uh, club member. He is a CA uh, marching band drum major in 2019, also graduating summa cum laude, member of the National Honor Society and a small group leader. Alex will be attending Tennessee Technical University to study mechanical engineering. Alex said that his favorite memory was Winterfest 2020 and he saved the best Winterfest for last, Mr. Alex Savage. Mr. Philip Young III, son of Philip and Brandy Young. Philip was class president both junior and senior year, a national merit finalist and a Mr. Columbia Academy nominee after high school, Philip will be attending Pepperdine University. Philip said his favorite memory was anytime he was at Winterfest, hanging out in Gatlinburg with Todd, Chandler, and Alex, who also mentioned Winterfest, uh, while getting to worship together was, will always be one of Philip's most special memories, Mr. Philip Young. This concludes our graduates from the class of 2020. Uh, yeah, let's give them a round of applause. A class with incredible life experience, stories for the ages. I appreciate you all being uh, so welcoming to me and my family. And though our time together has been extremely limited, I am appreciative of you and your love for this church. It is evident. And so I want to say thank you, seniors, for your commitment to the West 7th Student Ministry, to this church family and the church as a whole. May you continue to be committed to church. God bless you. God bless your families as you all enter this new stage in life. I've asked Carrie Couch, one of our elders and shepherds, to lead a prayer of blessing over these graduates and their families. So seniors, if you would, stay up here while Carrie says a prayer. You can have this mic, Mr. Carrie. You guys look great. You like being up front? Now you know how we feel sometimes. In the beginning, God created a very, very familiar passage with all of us. But he talks about the creator who created everything. And we're reminded in Hebrews 13, God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So as you begin a new chapter and journey in your life, just remember, God is going to be with you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. We have two eyes to, for one of those, we should always look forward to our goals, what we're going to be doing next. But then our other eyes should always be looking toward God, should be looking toward heaven. That's ultimately where we want to end up. So one eye here on earth, but one eye always looking toward God and heaven and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And as you move forward in life, that's what you need to keep in mind. 
we congratulate you. We're excited for you. Uh, we're also sad to see you leave, too, but uh, we, uh, we want the best. So uh, it's time. Let's, uh, let's talk to God. Father, you're compassionate, and you're good, and you're loving. And we're grateful for these graduates and their accomplishments, and it's an exciting time for them. And we're, we ask for your blessings and your guidance and your hedge of protection as uh, they, they move from a chapter in their life to something different. Uh, Father, be with them and help them as they study and achieve goals and as they um, go for employment and as they go to school and as they leave uh, Columbia, some of the, most of them, and, and, and Father, just, just be with them and help them to find uh, good friends, good Christian friends that will help keep them uh, with that other eye toward heaven and other eye toward you. And Father, we just ask blessings of protection for them as they grow in their spiritual formation and grow closer to you. But Father, we're grateful for their parents and their grandparents and their family and also for the church family and friends and, and those teachers at school, Father, that have helped them become the young people that they are today. And we're grateful for that because really when raising children, it takes more than one it, and sometimes more than two. It takes a family. And we're grateful for all those that have had a part in their, uh, in their lives thus far and for those that will have a future with them also. But, Father, we're grateful for this church and what they've done for each one here. And, Father, all of them and all of us always remember Jesus Christ as our Savior. And he has, God, you are full of mercy and grace that you heap upon us. And be with all of us as we keep our eyes toward heaven. And bless these graduates. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Continuing with a little something different, we are also going to have kind of a, a memory video, a senior slideshow of sorts. So I want to tell you right after our closing prayer, that video is going to start. So do not be alarmed. There is music that accompanies it, and it may be shocking. So um, just brace yourselves for that. My name is Barrett, and I am not the regularly scheduled preacher. Um, so if you're visiting with us, and there, there seem to be a few of you, um, just go ahead and make plans to attend again. And if you are visiting and in the gym, um, definitely come again. Um, but I'm the student minister. Today's sermon is going to be uh, abbreviated because um, I have already done too much talking. And so uh, at the risk of you know, losing my voice and you not wanting to listen to me anymore, we're going to be... Uh, getting through this rather quickly. I appreciate uh, John for a lot of things. I appreciate him leading uh, our, our worship this morning in the song choice. He asked me what I wanted uh, to sing, what would go with our theme this morning. There's a reason behind all of these shepherding sheep songs that we have sung so far and what are on the list. Um, and he asked for some of my favorites, and I told him. Um, it's cool hearing in that it is well song. I told him it was one of my favorites and I appreciate your worship and singing out this morning. It's cool hearing hundreds of people sing your name. You know, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. You know, it takes a really personal 
spin for me of like, yeah, it's not me anymore, you know. Um, so I appreciate John you leading that uh, this morning. He didn't know I was teeing him up for a joke. Uh, uh, a lot of you have asked about my, my family and our transition, our move, our starting a new ministry, uh, starting a new gig with the West 7 students during a global pandemic. And I will admit, um, especially using hindsight, that this was a, a pretty crazy time um, to transition. Uh, but I've so appreciated uh, the grace and the, the love that you guys have um, already shown to my family. The hospitality has been uh, incredible. So I, I appreciate this West 7th Church family. We love you guys so much already. Uh, I know that this is not normal. This is not the norm. And so maybe we're not all at our best, but um, that's what's so nice about church and, and God's intention for church. The church is a family made up of families. There are 285 families that call the West 7th Congregation their home church or their home congregation or call it their family, according to our app this morning. There are families of all shapes and sizes, as you have seen this morning and heard about this morning. Um, there's younger families, older families, couples, singles, families with kids, no kids, aunts, uncles, in-laws. There are all sorts of families that make up this family. Even just the family that meets here, think about church worldwide, all of the different types of families. And today's a fun day to celebrate some of our family during a, a major life transition. I mean, I don't have a senior graduating this year. Maybe you've had a senior graduate years ago. Uh, but today we celebrate these seniors like they're our own, like they are part of our family, which is a really unique and very cool thing, and I'm so glad that we do that. One thing that these trying times have reminded us of and, and maybe revealed to some of us younger families is this idea that we all want what is best for our family. Hasn't that been such a motivating factor for so many, especially during this time? We have seen people go out of their way to protect their families, whether we stay in, whether we venture out to the grocery store, whether or not we wash our hands, right? We all want what is best for our family, and that's often the motivation for our actions. This is something that we all know, but it bears repeating since we're at church. The best thing for our families is to focus on Jesus, to center our lives around Jesus Christ. It's our personal lives as individuals, and it's our life as a family. That's what is best for our family. One of the themes from the book of John is that Jesus is worth it. And he tells us different ways, and he gives us different I am statements. And he's saying, I am worth it because I do this, that, and the other. He is worthy for so many different reasons. He said he is worthy because he is everlasting bread. He does not perish. He is a guiding light. He is not confusing darkness. It is worth following him because he's not trying to lose you. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and that is what we're focusing on this morning. He's a shepherd worth following. He is worth committing to. He is worth centering your life around. And I'll be real honest about this sort of language. This, uh, I hesitate to use the shepherding, agrarian, sheep language uh, a lot. If someone unchurched or someone visiting, uh, or you know, if you sat down and you're like, all right, look, we worship the Lamb of God. It's very confusing, right, to hear you. I don't want to be a sheep, blah, 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 blah. You know, you're like, okay, it's confusing. It's a little different. It sounds weird, but Jesus, obviously, no duh, uses this language on purpose. 
And so he uses a specific language and he speaks into their context and simultaneously he is painting a, a timeless picture for us. And the shepherd sheep relationship is something that they would have encountered every day. And that's not so much for us, um, but he goes into such detail and there's so many angles. I've heard a preacher say that it's like looking at a diamond, right? Just this story alone. There's so many different ways that you could look at this that it would you know, alter how you viewed the entire story. And so we're going to look at one angle in particular this morning. So just for a second, let's go back into John 9 and, and look at the situation that occurs right before Jesus gives this I am a good shepherd statement. John 9, Jesus heals a, a blind man, and it's, it's a miracle, right? Obviously, we, we sometimes take that part for granted, reading the scriptures over and over. But he gives this man who's been born since birth sight. He's been begging every day and there's people in this city that see him every day and he's blind and he's helpless and he's hopeless and Jesus gives him sight. He is healed by Jesus and people are rightfully excited. Their minds are blown. They've seen some miracles, but this one is like, man, that hits close to home. I've seen this guy and now here he is being given sight and I know him. This Jesus guy is awesome, but the leaders in the church, which is weird, they're upset they're upset with Jesus because this time, this time in particular, they're upset with him. They're usually upset with him for a lot of reasons, but this time in particular, they're upset with Jesus because he's healed him on the Sabbath or the sacred day of rest. Nobody's supposed to be doing anything. And then he does this healing. And then they end up having a, a lot of meetings, which they're not supposed to have, but we won't go into that, right? But they, they are mad with Jesus because he is healed on the Sabbath. Jesus is breaking the God-given law. They haven't made the connection, Jesus is God yet, right? And so chapter 9 ends with the once blind, now can see man getting kicked out of the synagogue, which to us is being asked to leave the life as you know it. Saying, hey, if you were from Columbia and you've grown up here and this is where you get your groceries and your family is, you've got to bounce. It would have been life-altering. So they banish him because he said that he believed that Jesus was a miracle worker, that he was more than that. He was God in flesh. Francis Chan says that there are three groups that witness this miracle in John chapter 9, and I don't think I could put it any better. He says the blind man represents believers that boldly testify to the life of Christ, that there are parents that believe, but they're ashamed or nervous to testify, so they, take, they say, take it up with him. They say, go talk to Jesus. Go talk to our son. We don't want any part of this. We do not want to put our lives on the line. We don't want to be banished from the synagogue. And this third group, again, ironically, the religious people of the day, the religious leaders of the day, that know it was a miracle. They have no doubt it was a miracle. That's not their issue. That's not why they're upset. They're upset that the miracle took place in a way that broke the law. Jesus, they're, they're angry with Jesus because he wants to lead them. He wants to change their life. He wants things to change, and he infringes on their lifestyle. Jesus hears that uh, the, the man has been banished. So Jesus finds the, the man formerly known as the blind man and explains that he is, in fact, the son of God. And there's a minor confrontation between Jesus and those Pharisees that had banished the man. And Jesus his comments ultimately boil down to this. I am the good shepherd, and you should be aware of three things. Thieves, hired hands, and bad shepherds. These thieves are actively seeking to steal the sheep away. They want to break in. They want to jump the fence. They want to take the sheep from safety. The hired hands are not invested in the sheep. 
They don't care what happens to the sheep. They flee at the first sight of problems. And bad shepherds are sometimes robbers and thieves. They're sometimes the hired hands. And they are always shepherds that lead the sheep away from their best interest. They lead them away from what is best for their family. So let me ask you this morning, who is shepherding your family? Who is shepherding you as an individual? Maybe it's you as a single person or a couple. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're considering them. Maybe your kids are grown. But who is shepherding your family? No matter what your family looks like, it's a tough question. It's a good question. It it begs to be asked. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, causing us to say, well, who is shepherding me? Who is shepherding your family? Now, we're at church, so the answer is Jesus. Jesus is. Jesus is the right answer, of course. And we know that's right, but we don't always listen to and follow some shepherds that um, were him, first of all, and then we, sometimes we listen to and follow shepherds that do not have our best interest in mind. We all hear voices, right? I'm not talking about psychosis. Um, who are the politicians that speak into your family's lives? Are those the ones that are shepherding you? Are they trying to steal your allegiance from Jesus? There's a reason that companies use celebrity endorsements, right? Because we like those voices. I drink a certain type of water every day because I saw somebody cool do it once. (laughs) And it altered my life, right? Jenna's like, stop, it's a $4 bottle of water. I'm like, I can't, I can't. (laughs) Are these celebrities shepherding our families? They for sure have an impact on our decisions. But are they shepherding us? What about athletes? I want to wear what Braun is wearing, for sure. Uh, Do athletes, other celebrities, uh, do they have our best interest in mind? Or are they interested in money, our money? We hear a lot of voices, and we end up following the ones that are most familiar, the ones we hear the most often. Sometimes these are religious people. Sometimes they are people that have a great religious platform, that speak on behalf of a massive church. Sometimes they're right, and sometimes they're pretty good shepherds. But should they be allowed to shepherd our family, to shepherd every decision that we make as a family? That one's pretty tough. Are these good shepherds? Do they have my best interest in mind? I'll tell you a very quick story. The summer before my seventh grade year, uh, so you can imagine just right in the middle of middle school, right? Um, Also probably 6'3", 200 pounds, which is a weird middle schooler, okay? I was very uncomfortable all the time and my family was I was going to a new school in the fall and I was starting at a new church and so I was part of a new youth group and somehow my family got talked into being uh, going on a kayaking trip and so all four of us get kayaks and we are going to be led by a member of that congregation he's going to take us and so I was a real uh, just a real punk about it and I decided I will show them and the second my kayak hit the water I was paddling as hard as I could because my goal was to not have to speak to anyone at that church and on that kayaking trip I said I will see you later I do not want to have to talk about the way that I look right and so I take off Um, my goal is just get to the end of this Um, and I was a very bad kayaking guide um, as a seventh grader that has never been on that river Um, had never been in a kayak before that point. And so I went down some rapids that I had no business going down. Um, I know God was looking out for me because I rolled multiple times and just kept rolling. And so that was good. And I sailed over some rocks and um, ultimately wash up at the pickup spot 
miles down the river from the family. I'm sunburned, my shoulders are toast, I'm exhausted. And it dawns on me that it might be a while before everybody else shows up with, you know, food, sustenance, sunscreen. Um, and so I get a little panicky, and I remember this moment of like, don't cry, you know. And I'm sitting on a rock in a river by myself in middle school, trying not to lose it. And not even 10 minutes later, the whole group shows up. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I was going as fast as I could. I didn't stop. And they're telling all these stories of like, we stopped at a, a bridge and jumped off, you know. And we did this, that, and the other. We reapplied sunscreen and all these cool things that I should have been doing and should have been a part of. It didn't make sense, but it turns out the guide had taken them to the right when I went left, and we end up almost there at the exact same time. Short version of the story, the analogy falls apart at some point, but I was a bad guide, right? I was very bad at leading myself. We make pretty terrible guides. We make pretty terrible shepherds. To use Jesus's sheep and shepherd language, we are not good shepherds, right? Not that life is pain and problem-free when following Jesus, we know that, but having a shepherd with our best interest in mind is an absolute game-changer. Seniors, to speak to you on this special day, you're going to be tempted to shepherd yourself uh, as you go out on your own, and maybe you've already experienced some of that being, you know, as part of your family and under the roof and trying to shepherd yourself while listening to your family. It's tough, but none of us are capable of shepherding ourselves. One of the more challenging parts of being a Christian is that we must admit in the first place that we are sheep, which is often hard to hear. That's tough because we are sometimes smart and sometimes creative, sometimes good, but ultimately it's all by our own standard. Is Jesus your family's shepherd? And how do you know? We live in a world that is information overload, uh, an information avalanche of sorts. There are voices, there is noise, there are shepherds, robbers, hired hands that want to shepherd you, that are actively seeking to take you so they can shepherd you. We must know his voice. So this week, maybe today at lunch, I, I want to encourage you to sit down, identify some of your family's influences, identify them as shepherds that you've maybe followed for a time, or being shepherded by TV channels, social media apps, other people that have no business shepherding us. Ask yourself, what was this movie trying to get me to believe? Was that a good influence on me? How do I feel when I get off of this app on my phone? Is that how Jesus really wants me to feel? Does my music, this is personal, my, does my music, my podcast that I'm listening to, my own speech that comes out of my mouth, does that line up with the message of Jesus? with the kingdom, with the gospel? Tough questions that all feed into who is shepherding your family. Someone is always going to try and shepherd you. Jesus says he is the good shepherd. So this morning, I would encourage you, if you have not already, to commit to following him. Commit your life to Jesus. Commit to the kingdom. Commit to the gospel. There is mission in following him. There is purpose in following him. There is also peace. There is also provision. There is power in baptism that is given to you, so you are not by yourself and following him. You join a family that is more than just this room. It's more than this building. It is a spiritual family. So consider this morning committing your life to him. And maybe you've wandered like sheep tend to do, like we like to do. I've been there. Maybe you've been led astray by bad shepherds. Jesus warns us about them on purpose. It happens. 
Do you think that um, you had the, you know, maybe you thought you had the right idea? I've done that many a time where I'm like, that guy's a good shepherd. I'm following him. And you get just far enough away to realize, nope. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you feel like the one versus the 99. I would encourage you to come back to Jesus, to recommit to Jesus. As a church family, we want what's best for you. We know that that is reorienting your life around Jesus Christ. And now is a great time uh, to let us know what your needs are. Some of our shepherds are going to be up front. They follow the good shepherd. um, And they will be up here to help assist you in any way possible. So whatever your needs are this morning, whether it's encouragement or you would like to be baptized, would you let us know and just come up front while together we stand and sing. great to be here. I do have a couple of announcements we need to make this morning. Sympathy is extended to William Jarrett's family. He did pass away on the 11th. His visitation will be Tuesday, June 16th. That's this coming week from 4 to 8. And funeral will be Wednesday, June 17th at 11 o'clock at Oaks and Nixles. Sympathy extended to Sioux Fox and her family on the death of her mother, Dorothy Jean Morgan McCormick. Her funeral was June 13th in Pulaski. Tuesday night service continues this week with Keith Parker speaking on why God allows bad things to happen. And if you haven't asked that question yet in your life, you're going to. So I highly encourage you to see what he has to say about it. 
We have a drive-through wedding shower this afternoon for Kelsey Davidson Carter Hilliard. It's from 1 to 2.30. Don't forget. Now, what do I say to graduates? Can't be long, but I'll tell you one thing. I've seen a neat poster many times in my life that says something to the effect that life is not about running from the rain. Life is about learning to sing and function and go forward in the rain. Your current world seems like an uproar. It's not the first time. It might be the first time for you. Embrace it. Turn yourself loose. Go into your life and do something different with it. But always, always, always hold on to your family and hold on to Christ because all the rest of it won't make any sense. Would you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today so happy with the joy we see around us, sad for the losses in our families, expectant for the world around us to be better. We ask you, dear Lord, that you would bless our families, bless our congregation, help us all to try to live for you every single day. Help us, dear Lord, to remember your sacrifice and what it means to all those billions and billions of lives that died on the cross. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.